Hello, everybody. Welcome to Clappercast, episode 136. I love that every single time I start one of these now that there's video, it's me saying the intro and the other two laughing at me. Uh, I'm your host, Carson Tamar, joined by other host, Paul Price, and again, Michael Fairbanks. Since our relaunch, now technically the first return guest, um, more of a host than some hosts, but that's okay. Um, How are you guys doing today? Um, Good. We had much less interesting... um, New Year's Eve's than uh, former co-host Alina, who was texting me uh, us about how uh, drunk her dad was. Let's be clear, Alina. Alina's still a host. Put in the MCU end credit. Like Alina Alina will return. (laughs) (laughs) Alina's alive. I can't say she's doing well, but she's alive. So getting through. Sure, she's here in spirit, right? Um, Michael, how are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm just happy that uh, I got a little time to have some time off and let my brain rest and catch up on some movies and make these little lists. And Are you making any TikToks? shows like this? How's the TikTok Many going? TikToks. Good. So <laughs> many, many TikToks. Paul, Paul's been watching The amount of times I have to click not interested on those TikToks just to try to help the algorithm. And it's like, no, 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 you, you talk to him. Don't you want to see every single one of his TikToks, including TikToks from June? And I'm like, no, I do not need to see his opinion from a movie from June. <laughs> Paul, that's why you just kind of mute yeah. him like I did. Just block. <laughs> Easy. It'll be like, it'll be like, would you like to see his Black Adam review? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Didn't want to watch the movie, much less his review. Peace and love, Michael. <laughs> and what's also funny is like he gets like the king of Burbank live every single day. Like mm-hmm. he hears it. Like, like I would, I wouldn't blame him because he hears everything I have to say in these videos. Same thing with my girlfriend. Like both, both of y'all don't watch, don't watch them because you get you, you hear it. <laughs> That's so funny. Um. Oh, an update. Yes, I did have COVID. So the past two episodes, I was just sitting there with COVID, just. And, like, the thing that's really frustrating for me about that is I got it in the stupidest way possible. Like, going to a work party. Oh, God. I've done so many dangerous things, and that's what gets me. A work party. Absolutely repulsive. And the fact that I had to work through COVID was a real, real bonus point. (laughs) It was, like, sitting there, and they're like, cool, cool. Could you still get some stuff done? (laughs) To be fair, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, you're dying. You can be more productive. Um, I was literally, I had to get Paxlovid, and not in like a, I had to get Paxlovid. I had to get Paxlovid in a, I might die kind of way. It, it hit me hard, like right after the podcast. What a wild episode too! If you would have died between now and then, I mean, really, I know. Well, we don't have any new films to talk about because no new films have really come out in the past week because it is New Year's. So instead, we're going to take a look back at today's episode at 2022 in film, talk about some things we liked, some things we disliked, um, and go through it. And why don't we start with talking about some of our favorite performances? I will say quickly that this is not necessarily our like actual top lists necessarily. It's just things we want to shout out and highlight that we enjoyed Paul, do you want to begin things with your favorite performance? What did you actually like this year? Because every week we hear about what you hate. What did you like? No, that is not true. That is not the truth, Ellen. Someone um, go through and give me a ratio, please. <laughs> I will pay you 30 bucks. It is um, definitely true. 
No, the thing is, we just don't talk about the movies I like. It's really funny because we'll be like, oh, let's skip over this movie. And I'll be like, oh, I love that. <laughs> like, I'll watch it like six weeks after the review. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I would have talked about that. And now I can. Um, I would say I had a lot of performances that I really liked that were like the traditional ones. Really liked Colin Farrell and Banshees. I really liked, you know, um, Kate Blanchett and Tar, those kind of things. But like the uh, one of the ones that really hit me, of course, was uh, Sophia Capel in Pleasure. Um, that's like a really difficult performance. And, you know, when you talk about like great performances in terms of you lose yourself in the character, I feel like she really did that. Um, another one for me was um, it was kind of the year of Zoe Deutsch a little bit, you know, like way that it bubbled under the surface and then she's going to get a Marvel movie and she's going to be like the it girl. It's just, it's, it's going to happen soon, but uh, specifically in not okay, which really allowed her to be both the comedy that we know and also really get to be a huge, like, you know, emotional heart to the film, which I love that film, but I do think that it has some, like uh, a little bit of script issues occasionally. And she's able to like push through those. And it's like, even when I'm not vibing with the film, she's so great. It kind of pulls it together. Um, in terms of like comedy performances, um, John Hamm and Confess Fletch, um, you know, you're so used to him being Don Draper from Mad Men or playing this like, you know, uh, overall kind of like he was in, you know, uh, Top Gun Maverick playing the straight lace guy. And in this, he gets to be the goofball and he's like, you know, got a dad bod. And it's just, there's something about him that's so fun in that performance. Um, that film's really under the radar. I feel like um, it's kind of in the same school as uh, Barb and Star last year, where it's just like, oh, what happened to that movie that is very funny? Um, and then uh, my like last one, I would say, is like uh, Jenny Slate and Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Um, I, I also had some issues with that movie. I really love it overall, but I think it's a little too... Uh, twee at some points but i think that her performance really kills it um and is much like her um with scarlett johansson where it's like we should start discussing voiceover performances a little bit more because sometimes they're really 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 good but uh what do you guys what do you guys pick um so for me i think a lot of the movies and performances that i responded to this year were much more weird kind of like genre movies then the awards bait, and I think that really comes out in my favorite performances, and that there's definitely going to be awkward giggles at some of these. The first, <laughs> the, the first one I'm going to say is Jake Gyllenhaal in Ambulance, um, a movie I don't remember. Because <laughs> Paul, what was so funny is when Paul and I saw Ambulance, the second the heist started, Paul fell asleep and on Michael. And just then, like lay down. It was like, I'm going to sleep. And then woke up at the end. So he didn't. Some, someday you're going to watch Ambulance and go, holy fuck. But Michael, um, this on the podcast review, he was like, so I slept through it all. I don't know what happened in it, but I love the film. And I was, we I had a lot like, of fun. You oh, no, 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 no. It. What I said was I made it through the first, I think, 45 minutes. And then I fell asleep through the entire heist. And then I woke up at the end and I was like, well, oh, this is a good movie. And I know things happened, but like, I do like when I, I, I've done this a lot this year is where I'll like fall asleep during a movie and be like, 
okay, I woke up. I know what happened. Um, I did that with Black Adam. I did that well, with, sure. There, it's also because um, one of two things happen. Either we pregame and there's just a little too much pregaming or, um, you know, my friend Chris, friend of the podcast, um, likes to watch movies at 10 p.m. Uh. <laughs> and so you're in the theater at 10 p.m. and you're like, OK, well, this movie is not doing it for me, so I will see you on the other side. <laughs> Obsessed with you pregaming for the 1015 showing of Black Adam. <laughs> That's pretty much what happens around here. Yeah. <laughs> it could be the most like, like it, it could be a man called Otto and we'll be taking shots at, well, <laughs> in the bar. <laughs> but um to to get back to it, um I think that ever since Nightcrawler, he's been kind of struggling to find something that could really match that intensity level. And I really feel like his unhinged nature and Michael Bay's unhinged nature just like complemented each other perfectly it was just such a beautiful combination because michael bay just let jake gyllenhaal jake gyllenhaal is just so fully anally screaming throughout that entire movie (laughs) and it's just like he gets so much out of these just little beats that are pretty much just like demanding the other characters to do something but he just brings so much just like depth to it or as much as he can in such a crazy action movie like that and i really think like action movie performances get undervalued because they are so reactive but i really appreciated him in that um another one in on a in a similar vein would be uh david howard thornton in terrifier 2 that's the man who (laughs) plays um art the clown and i think that what he does with his face and his body language is so remarkable and it's kind of like it's weird because it's not i wouldn't say subtle per se but like if you're not really examining like everything that he's doing to make this clown just so fucking unnerving at every moment it almost just passes you by because it feels so natural but i don't think that there's been kind of like a slasher villain that's had that much presence and that much just sheer character in some time, especially one that doesn't talk. That's the other thing, because that character is completely silent. You don't. Oh, I um, didn't know that. Oh, yeah. He doesn't speak. He doesn't make any noise. There's no. Person, like, have oh. you watched this? No. <laughs> oh, that's surprising. I Because I hear that they're like, because it's that. like the same kind of uh, fans as the Saw movie. No, but I read like those. a recap and it sounded really gross and like, <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. do it. Okay, that's why I can't watch any of the Saw movies because I read those recaps and you're like, they're fine. <laughs> You'd, I think you would be surprised because it's just like, it's much more fun overall as a movie than you might expect. Like it's not like dour or bleak. It has a, it has like a very hyper sarcastic comedic tone and it's kind of grindhousey without like really like doing too much with like the kitschiness of that like it just sort of has that like lo-fi slasher budget low budget slasher appeal just kind of naturalistically but i really love that and i loved his performance and then like as far as actual like genuine dramatic like quote-unquote real movies that i think are being sort of underserved i really loved aubrey plaza's performance in emily the criminal uh i if people are into her right now because of the white lotus i really recommend that they check that movie out it's very much in the same vein it's kind of a a slow burn crime thriller about just sort of like how fucked millennials are in the current economy and she really just like brings that subtle boiling 
rage to life so perfectly and she sort of transmits her comedic persona into a subtle dramatic performance in a really impressive way and then the last one i'll say is uh christopher abbott in on the count of three um gerard carmichael's movie i really love uh gerard's movies in general and on the or gerard's work in general and on the count of three is a favorite it's a story of two suicidal best friends and christopher abbott is the significantly more suicidal suicidal one and i thought that he really played this very kind of fragile very ill character without it turning into a stereotype or like an over-the-top just crazy like i'm the i'm a psychotic guy like it was really just very rooted in what felt like real people's pain and i think if like that movie had crossed over into the mainstream more i think he'd be up for supporting actor yeah this feels like one of those years that where a lot of films i think are just like it didn't make it to the mainstream but i really liked it and it's like really disappointing and i don't understand exactly what happened and then the problem is yeah. is that all the ones that did kind of break through i don't like that much <laughs> like, like, yeah. there were a few there are a handful but a lot of the ones that were like real awards contenders i'm just I'm just lukewarm on them for some reason. And I think it's really just because like the genre movies brought it this year. Even something like everything everywhere all at once is a genre movie. Like, and then, then some things just have a hard time comparing oh, when it's just certainly like, is a movie that exists. Paul, yep. Save it. it, it, it <laughs> we're trying to get like, we're trying to be liked Paul. It uh, definitely is. Oh, should I take it off? My list? <laughs> no, you shouldn't. <laughs> we'll get to it. <laughs> I guess I'll go with my list now. Look, I love silly little dudes. Example, Jared Leto and House of Gucci. I love when actors just give very strange performances. So, of course, the double bill this year of Tom Hanks and Elvis and Mark Rylance and Bones and all. Absolutely loved both of them. I, they're both just out there with weird accents, being silly little dudes who are kind of creepy and weird and like bad. But I love them. They're two of my favorite performances of the year. I think Tom Hanks and Elvis, especially like the venom he ends up bringing at the end, I think is weird, really impressive. So I like both of them. I don't like silly. I love silly little dudes. I don't like Barry Kerrigan normally. I'm going to be honest to the point where jump scare of the year was in batman when he shows up as the joker and the only reaction i could muster up after the batman sat there for three hours i told the pr person i texted paul how is he getting these roles because i think there's not a single actor <laughs> let's be clear i think he has a talent to him i don't think anyone understands his presence on screen because they keep putting him in like these wicked like roles of power in the green knight they had him be one of those characters the joker is one of those characters and he like just doesn't work but Banshees of Inishirin gets him in a way he's not been understood since the killing of a sacred deer. He's just like this innocent little goofy loser kid and you love him. Uh, that scene with Carrie Condon, I'm so happy it's coming up where he's like, oh, you wouldn't want to fall in love with a boy like me. He's adorable. It's great. Put him in these silly little goofy roles. Don't have him be there being like, I'm the Joker because he's bad. He's really bad there. But he could be a good actor. And Banshees of Nishiran gets a lot right. But mainly, I think it's impressive they get Barry Kerrigan right. 
Um, and then since I'm gay, I'm going to say Billy Eichner and bros, because um, that character is just me. If you want to see me on the big screen, go watch bros. And Billy Eichner, quite literally, there's lines from that film I've said in real life, like before bros comes uh, came out. I love him. Uh, Paul hates him. He hates me, I assume, also. I cannot wait till we meet up IRL and he just hates me. Um, mm-hmm. But I love Billy Eichner and bros. So those are my performances. Really just a lot of like silly, goofy bros having a good time on the big screen <laughs> it's actually um, so wild that billy eichner embarrassed himself so much that even though i like bros i'm still embarrassed for you that you said that <laughs> all he said not to get into it but all he said was that like people were homophobic yeah they fucking are welcome like hi no i, I wrote know, a whole I know, article he yeah i mean definitely. as they should be <laughs> after bros I, we will be discussing that later i'm the... so happy you watched i was like you need to when watch I get it before to this episode. most annoying performances <laughs> oh i know i was i was so paul was texting me while he was watching this he says this is the worst fucking thing i've ever seen <laughs> yeah i, I was so i had to pause and go take an anger walk <laughs> that's why i wanted you to watch it i said like you need to watch this because it will be on that list um, also i really i really want to see um the movie where Mark Rylance and Bones and all and Tom Hanks and Elvis are like brothers or something. <laughs> a road trip <laughs> movie with them. Yes. Oh, Ray- God. Raymond and Ray, but it's those two. <laughs> yes. Oh, Didn't see Raymond and Ray. Hell. I think only you and Alina saw it, but like, sure. I assume it's right. <laughs> that's, in my, that's in my top 10 of the year. I I've really it's really Raymond good. Ray. Yeah, I saw Alina liked it too. It That one is very underrated, especially if you like both of them. Ethan Hawke and Ewan McGregor. You should probably I, check it out. It's very I good. do, but I only want to watch it because I'm an Apple TV Plus stan. And like I just want to watch all their films. Because like they're it's just one of the best things service. they've ever had. You are? They're the, or why? Because all their movies are like pretty good, other than Cherry. And Coda. Okay, we and don't Spirited. Okay. No, Spirited was fine. We don't talk about Coda. No. <laughs> if Lena <laughs> like was on this podcast, Spirited would probably be in our favorite films of the year. So I liked it. Screenplays. Well, first, let's talk about the Clappercast family on Twitter who put in some of their selections. I'm not oh. going to read all of them, but we did ask people to share their opinions on some of these. I will say... Do you ask people for their opinions? Yes, because we're promoting oh. engagement. Um, Austin, <laughs> Jordan Dennis for Austin Okay, Butler I'm going to judge them. I'm ready. Okay, sure. Jordan Dennis, Austin Butler, and Elvis. Fine. Yeah, I like that right. performance, actually. In a movie I don't like. Uh, I'm not going to read all of them. Someone by the name of Nuanced Film Takes put Kristen Stewart in Crimes of the Future. Period. Um, It is my favorite line from a movie I haven't seen. I have watched the, it has very, very potent meaning like 300 times. Um, It kills me every single time. So I'm going to agree. That's literally (laughs) how she acts the whole time. I'm sure. And I should watch the movie because like, it is so funny to me. It's so good. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think you would like it. I think you would like that one. I think you would like it more than you like her and Spencer, but that's not very hard to do. Yeah, that's um, not saying much. Chris Gonzo gave us multiple. He said Maya Goth and Pearl and Daniel Brühl and All Quiet on the Western Front. I was going to no. say Mia Goth and Pearl. I, I've actually forgot to. I think that performance should be nominated. Just Did you see I Pearl? think is. No, I didn't see Pearl. I keep waiting for it to come out on something, and then I realized it was A24, and so, like, it's not, so I just need to rent it. Yeah. It's just, like, I think... I, I have it, actually, if you want to borrow it. When when we when I give you pleasure back, I can let you borrow Pearl. Um, <laughs> when I give you pleasure. <laughs> um, when I get... Wait, 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 wait. 
when I give you pleasure, I'll give you Pearl is a horrifying sentence. <laughs> when I give you your copy of the film Pleasure 2022 back that you let me borrow. I, I got it. I got it. <laughs> I was saying that I think as far as creating like an iconic new character, like kind of what I was saying about Terrifier, but on a bigger scale, I think Mia Goth in Pearl, that's an iconic character yeah. now i was just thinking the other day i think pearl might be the best prequel ever made like i cannot think of a prequel that more completely eclipsed its original movie more so than pearl to the point to where the prequel is now all anyone talks about and no one gives a shit about x at all like i like as far as yeah. just like the sheer functionality of being a prequel i don't think there's a better prequel than pearl I would argue Star um, Wars Episode 2, but that's okay. <laughs> you know what? I'm also a fan of Episode 2, so let's not It's good. Enough. We do not. <laughs> Every episode, we're going to just mention a bad Star Wars tape. <laughs> um, but I was going to say, yeah, it's interesting because I do think, uh, you know, how much people love Pearl. I am curious about the rewatches of X to see if, like, her character shift, like, annoys people. If that becomes a thing that comes up as, like, I loved her in this, but she's not really the same character because I know she's supposed to be significantly different personality wise. I don't I've think anyone it. who saw Pearl, like, I don't think they're watching X. I work with high schoolers and like Pearl's caught on in the high school community. I will say multiple people quote it every week. Like, it's weird how many high schoolers love that film. I'm sure no one even knows what X is like it even exists. I've watched X back after seeing Pearl. I think Pearl does make it better, but I just think that x jumps forward so much in time that you can see like where pearl and x connect but i honestly what i what i've been thinking since i saw pearl is they should do a maxine trilogy and a pearl trilogy that the, and i think that would really like connect the whole story that ty west is trying to tell i think there's definitely at least one more pearl movie especially with how pearl leaves off i just like i i feel like I feel like there's more to be done with her and but that's such an incredible performance that that monologue at the end of pearl is next level yeah i'm excited for maxine i'm very curious i like x more than pearl but i think she is fantastic in pearl what i'm excited about with maxine is they haven't revealed the cast yet besides mia because it's not being it's not made yet they've not made it they're not done anything but the teaser i think like, i'm they sure said they were in production i think it might have shot in secret maybe we'll see i don't know but <laughs> Um, and then we have Isaiah Henry, last one. I'll say Brennan Fraser uh, for The Whale. Fine. Yeah. Sure. Like, it's it's very much like one of those that I don't personally like, but I don't fault anyone for li- loving it. Like, I, I get it. Like, I mean, like, I just, I have performances that don't hit me correctly, but like, sure. when people are like, yeah, I loved it. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I will say I really like Samantha Morton in that. If since we're talking about performances, I do think she should have been nominated. That's my that's my that's my hot take. Is where is Samantha Morton in all this? Um, and I I do think like um, just the fact that there were three um, female performances, she got lost. Even though she's like, I think the strong one of the strongest performances of the year. Um, so I'm sorry, Samantha Morton, that I did not mention you for The Whale. It's like The Whale is just such a like sad clown movie. Like at the end of the day, like at the end of the day, like that's just what it is. It's just this like 
it's just this like pathetic portrayal of someone who isn't even like humanized and but it's so like trying to like implore upon you that it is humanizing and the only reason that it even somewhat works is because of brendan fraser but it was just it was just it was just so funny because when paul and chris and i saw the whale we were all talking about it afterwards and like paul was saying like i didn't like brendan fraser that much and i don't like i didn't really think like he like emoted that well or whatever you said and me and chris were both just like oh he emoted we were like, <laughs> like he definitely he definitely displayed something <laughs> well moving on to favorite screenplays which we mentioned i will go first quickly again bros i think it's very funny i think it speaks to me it's a very me movie let's be clear one of my favorite screenplays of the year um my other ones are miss harris goes to paris another very oh, me yeah film. i needed to see that I think it's adorable. Not just as adorable, but I think it's like genuinely quite worthwhile on its conversation about like material goods and the value we put into things like clothes. And it feels very obvious that it's going to be like, oh, but that's all superficial and it's about humans and about like the emotions and our experiences together. But it doesn't go down that route. It's like, no, like things like clothes can make you feel good and that should be valued and like we shouldn't just like act like they don't. Um, and then my other screenplay kind of fitting is X. I think X is fantastically built. I think it's thematically rich. Another movie, Paul, you hate, but that's okay. You know, if we I hate it for one scene. Sure. Oh, um, yeah. I oh, like um, Pearl makes the scene that you hate in X make a lot more sense. Don't believe that. You'll see. Paul, do a double feature. You're going to love X all of a sudden. Uh, Michael, what are your favorite screenplays of the year? So the three that I picked, um, the one that I mentioned already was uh, On the Count of Three. I just am such, I think Gerard Carmichael is just one of the best kind of societal commentators that we have. And I think that as far as movies about mental health, particularly men and male mental health and the differences that come within that, I think that script is just masterfully crafted and just very present and thought through and a really great tonal balance as well. And it's and it's very it's edgy without turning into a but because it's like a buddy movie kind of, and it's edgy without turning into a bunch of like Quentin Tarantino witticisms where they're just kind of like talking about fucking nonsense. Like it's very much rooted always in the struggles that they're going through while still being funny and entertaining. Uh, Paul's gonna roll his eyes big time on this next one, but um, Armageddon Time is another one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, Armageddon no, time, ew. as far as as far as all of these, <laughs> as like to be honest, out of the awards movies that came out, Armageddon time I probably liked the most. With well, the that's exception a good of thing Babylon. that it's not a <laughs> not an think, awards movie, <laughs> but I think that movie, I think that movie really like deftly navigates a lot of really complicated kind of social issues. I think it has a great ending. I think that all the characters are really well realized and feel like real people. And a lot of that com- is from the performances, but a lot of that is also the writing as well. And then you guys will both agree with my last one, but I think Nope is just masterfully written. And He hates Nope. Oh, you don't like Nope? <laughs> no. Okay, I'm sorry. Good. We can't act like it's a good... I mean, you can. Valid. I'm not going to invalidate you or anyone who likes um, this movie. It's not a good screenplay, though. Like, 
Dad eventually we have me to about nope but i haven't seen it in six months so i was like i don't remember what happens in that movie like i can't defend it like that why well, you were like shoe- oh no it all adds up like the shoe makes sense it's all about the spectacle and everyone always says it's about the spectacle what is it saying about the spectacle nothing um, it's I too long i don't i don't understand written. the shoe either but here's the thing um that was one of the few like that and uh top gun maverick were like the two movies this year that i was like sure did see a movie like you know like that feeling like old school 90s like i saw a movie um which i didn't really get outside of that this year one of those was the exciting movie one of them was the boring one you turn off a quarter of the way in yeah that's i I think but nope, like, like, I like nope, nope. So I'm you don't have to worry. No, no, no. Well, I was just saying that I think like a lot of people find themselves falling into the trap of trying to beat Jordan Peele. Like I think like a lot of people, especially people who have like a very heavy like writing background, get kind of like aggravated at how intricate his scripts are as they try to like unpack how it's actually a mess and how it actually doesn't make sense when the like meanings of what nope is trying to convey are very clear i think and it's not like it's kind of the opposite way too where people act like oh it's such a dense and like complex and like thoughtful thing And and it is thoughtful but it's also when you when people say like it's about the nature of spectacle it really is just about like how people try to like lionize themselves by capitalizing off of things that are beyond this world. Like that's really the message. It's just very well conveyed. And then people try to turn it into this whole thing where like, it has to be this complicated conspiracy theory about how every word and every line like ties into each other. And what does the fucking shoe mean? And this and that. And I just think it's a very like well-written built movie. And I sort of just don't try to boil it down to that many parts if it makes, if that makes sense yeah um my so i went with scripts that not necessarily um i thought that like the overall movie is like amazing but i thought of the ones that i could find very little faults with the scripts um in terms of what they were trying to do so uh, my number one was the outfit um i think that one is supposed to be a twisty like you know mystery and it works perfectly um, has memorable characters who show up when they need to and, and leave when they need to. Um, Do Revenge, I think, is very funny as like, you know, a like YA kind of uh, Mean Girls-esque movie. I'm shocked that it did not pick up with the Gen Z group. Um, it did. Uh, I actually, it, it did, but not as much as not I would have Not expected. like Euphoria. I thought it would get yeah. to Euphoria levels when I first watched it. I think yeah. I, I think it's more that it's just like a Netflix thing where every Netflix thing that's big for five minutes ends up becoming a flash in the pan. But people did sure. talk about it. I'm in the TikTok world, my guy. I, I people were people <laughs> people were obsessed with Do Revenge. Maybe not for uh, forever, but like there was a solid week or so where every like tiktoker or anyone in that kind of space was like you have to see this this is the next mean girls the next class i know i just like i guess it's weird because like my stepsister still hasn't watched it i'm like how the fuck have you not watched this yet you're 20 (laughs) like it's your movie it was made for you not me um and then my next one is emily the criminal um i think that that one is a really strong script even when i like 
you know, I sit there sometimes when I watch movies, I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have done that if I was a writer. But I get annoyed with those. In this one, I'm like, I wouldn't have done that. But like, it makes sense. Like, this is a clever way of doing this film. Um, I think it's a really strong, like, for what it is kind of movie. Um, and then my last one was I Love My Dad, which, um, you know, I think is like a really strong, hard to do script. And the fact that it's not being talked about at all, I think, is just because of the um, kind of indie feel to it. Um, but it's it's fantastic. Um, I love that script. So, yeah, those were my four. What is, what is our re, uh, listeners? Sure. What do they got for us? Michael, you're not alone. Jordan, is, Jordan Dennis did pick Nope as his response. So, you know, you're not alone. Valid to Jordan also. Bernard Ozerowski, sorry if I pronounced that wrong, said women talking. Sure. Definitely there. I haven't seen it yet. No one has. Well, I mean, I've seen it, but it has not really released yet. So I don't blame you. Someone who <laughs> I goes have a by screener that's just sitting there. Oh, I, they sent me two. I was like, cool. <laughs> Love it. They, really... they want you to have it in 360. Right. <laughs> Women talking around Screen you. X. Eventually I can create a screen <laughs> X. So yeah. One more. Um, fifth best Will, who is apparently the fifth best Will, um, put The Quiet Girl, a great international feature this year. I really enjoyed it. I don't know if either of you got to see it. Is that the Irish one that everyone keeps talking yes. about? I don't God. think you would like oh. it. I, I probably would like it. I just, it's one of those movies that like, you know how you know this is the after sun effect where there's movies that you like didn't hear about and then all of a sudden everyone's like as we've been talking about and you're like we've been talking about this the first time i've ever heard of this so i immediately like get repulsed by it both of those movies i'm just like this movie i still don't i don't even know what either plot is about it's just everyone's like yeah as we know it's the best movie of the year that's so underrated it's like well, <laughs> with after I genuinely, I genuinely, God, oh, I was gonna say I with after sun and women talking, <laughs> I'm gonna go. Actually. I'm like with after sun and women talking to peel back the curtain a bit. Alina saw both of them early and told us they were like not good. So immediately, I, was, I trust Alina more than most people, to be honest. So immediately, I was like, oh, I'm gonna hate these films. Surely they're terrible because Alina told me so, and she was wrong about women talking. She was not wrong about After Sun. That's okay. Because Alina told me so. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot wait for your review of After Sun, Paul. That's all I'm going to say. One way or another, it's going to be fireworks. (laughs) (laughs) I like. I don't know what you'll think. I think you'll like it. I I think you will like it. It is up your alley of like the kind of like if After Sun would if I think he'll watch it. If they were rich, I would say yes. Right. I think he'll watch it in a double feature with Sundown. Yeah, that's Ooh. the issue, though. He likes rich white people on the beach. They're not rich. <laughs> if they I have a hotel. All, I they like have a... all sorts of white people on the beach. You think the lead actor enjoy hot. diversity. I think that's the biggest <laughs> thing. Do you think the main actor is hot? Which I do. No. He's yeah. back on the market. Uh, Josh Rowley and Dominic Rigazzi both put the Banshees of Inishirin, which completely agreed. Fantastic screenplay. That is, that is another one, but I was trying to avoid movie, uh, movies that I was like sure are getting Oscar noms. Overrated. Yeah. Completely overrated movie. Says a fucking I, what nope fan, like you know. I mean, <laughs> it's just like like when you when you were saying like how you thought nope was not really about anything. I don't think Banshees of Inishirin is about anything. It's well, just, can you pronounce it's just it correctly? A, it's just a, 
whatever. It's it's, it's about two it guys. Doesn't mean Michael. Are... I say everything right. wrong. No, 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 no. I wasn't. That's I was my just being. It, it's not you. It's that I've tried to pronounce it five different ways in all the different TikToks I've done, and every time people are like it's actually. So now I just don't fucking care, and I just say whatever I want. That's me with <laughs> Teton. But, 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 no, so like, I. It's oh just, God! It, it's just it's just a movie about two jerks having like a hissy fit. That's all it is. Like, there's just like every everyone's like, oh, it's about the the depth of your these older relationships, and then they. This fade sounds away like me when I'm talking about bad. everything everywhere all at once. No, yeah. it is though. <laughs> well, hold on. Let's just say Isaiah Henry said everything ever all at once. Throwing that out. What did he choose for the oh, other? Yeah, what did he choose for a performance? Brendan Fraser. Oh. All for being nice. To I say, I, I like how this, this episode, the thesis of this episode was going to be like a nice celebration, really chill. Let's just celebrate the films. And it's turned into our most hostile fight ever. <laughs> you know, it's fine. I still find him valid so far. <laughs> I wonder why we never get a big following. We're like, how could, how is it? How is it like a, how, why don't we have, you know, what, this is the first time we've interacted with, uh, people outside of uh bandana guy who well i see why people stay away (laughs) (laughs) um sure i mean i will say all those films had screenplays at the very least so good on you (laughs) i think i mean everything ever all at once no documentaries in this here's my here's my my take on everything ever all at once i think the ending is incredible I think we just spend like 20 minutes too long in this office building. Like specifically when Jamie Lee Curtis starts fighting, I'm like, this is great, but I need to get out of this building because I'm getting like cabin fever. I think once it gets past that, incredible. Five stars. I just think that beginning is like way too slow peace and love. And I love the Daniels. Also, Swiss Army Man is better. No one was there for Swiss Army Man. Whatever. That's Um, so fucking true, though. That's so true. Michael, I knew I respected your taste. No, because... No, because it, it, it's it's really like what annoys me more about everything everywhere all at once is not the movie itself, which I think is very, very good. It's just that all of a sudden, all these people who like find people who love movies really pretentious are all of a sudden they've latched onto this yeah. specific movie because it, it it like it's become like Hamilton fight almost. Mm, where like you where like you can't example. say you can't like even slightly like speak out against it, even though there are like definitely some issues with it um, because it's just like so beloved by people who had such a like violent emotional reaction to it. And it's a great movie and it should be, it should be beloved, but it also like isn't beyond just someone being like, I didn't like it that much or I didn't think these parts are, are great. Like, like, like to me, yeah. to me, it's just very much more about like the, the, the fans of it. Then oh no, that's why I hate most films is because the fans. My issue about it is that everyone latched onto it, all these pretentious white film critics, and now they're all like, oh my god, it's gonna win every single Oscar. Like it's gonna probably some people probably are out there like it's gonna win the short film categories. Like they're <laughs> out there trying to say it's gonna win every fucking thing. And it's just like all logic goes out the window. And the two options are peace and love for some of these people. You're lying or you're an idiot. And I don't like either. <laughs> I don't like it either way. So sorry. <laughs> so best direction. Um, Stay tuned for our award talk in two weeks. It's going to be fun. Um, best directed um, film. Paul, go for it. So um, this is really upsetting for me. Um, one of my best directed films is The Northman. And if you know oh, me, 
Um, sure. I fucking hated the lighthouse with a passion that was a thousand suns. So I went into that movie so ready to be mad. And then I got out and I was like, oh, no, that was that was pretty great. Um, I have nope on there. I was I, I think I'm in between you two. Um, I had a really good time, but I do think there's problems with the script. So I was like, yes, I think nope. And then not to double up. I tried not to. But really, I'm going to say the outfit. I think the outfit really had strong direction in terms of like pulling some performances out of people that um, are really surprising. There's a lot of accent work that is very difficult to not seem very corny. Um, and I think he does a really great job. And it's a very in and out movie. I've watched it like four times. And each time I watch it, I'm like, this is so well executed. Um, I just think it's so good. And I, I don't understand why that one's not in conversations at all um for me the three that i'd want to say would be first and foremost babylon um damien chazelle is just an absolute king like to me he is a when it comes to just sheer pacing and just orchestration of like how the movie comes together and how it just seamlessly guides you from scene to scene that movie was just impeccable and to keep that pace over three hours is wild to me. Like, like, like that is one of the quickest nimblest three hour movies I've ever seen in my life. Um, Paul said the Northman, so I won't say that, but that was also on my list. Um, oh. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to the well and once again, say ambulance as a, <laughs> for another movie for direction. Because I genuinely don't understand how the fuck Michael Bay made that movie during COVID. I think there should be a documentary about like like I, what I've been saying is that I think there should be like a Hearts of Darkness style documentary about them trying to make ambulance during COVID because those car chase sequences are insane and for the most part they're all real and also there weren't any car chase scenes scenes in yeah, ambulance. Yeah, for you <laughs> what happened is like there was a heist and then uh the end of the movie there's and, nothing else that happens and then of course all the like <laughs> drone, right and then of course all the like drone photography is kind of groundbreaking for that field and it really like gives it this it makes it feel really and am i making this up or was that a child that did that no it was it was like an 18 year old like drone racing yeah. champion and, and michael <laughs> so, bay just Michael Bay just randomly recruited him and they revolutionized drone photography together. I really hope they work together again. He went to a local high school and was just like, who knows how to, who has a drone? Let's go. (laughs) To be honest. YouTube videos and was like, I'll just email. Actually, you know what? A lot of people end up doing that when you hear about like uh, people getting picked for movies and stuff. Um, When I worked with Sia, she chose um, one of her performers from a YouTube video that the girl did. It's very funny. We don't need to talk about Sia and casting and how she casts. You know, I don't think that's, we don't need to actually, you know, why do we keep talking about certain subjects that we probably shouldn't talk about every episode now? Every week. Sia updates. Paul's like, I stand by the casting of music. That YouTube video was really good from the actor. And then I do have one more that I want to mention, which is um, SS Rajamuli for RRR. I do think I do think it's a good it's a great example of how to do that genre well though because it has such a grandeur to it and such a playfulness to it especially just in its action sequences it, it feels more like a comic book movie than any comic book movie produced in the last fucking 10 years and it just like it has 
it's very fascinating how he just deals with all these issues, real world things that happened and still turned it into this just massively entertaining blockbuster with these just incredible action sequences. And while it seems like I may never hear the original um, dub of the film, uh, he did get very good dubbed performances out of those two leads who, as I understand it, are very big in India. Well, and that's what we talked about on the podcast, I think, when the episode came out about it, is that um, the original movie was also dubbed um, in Indian films. For the most part, they don't try to grab correct sound, so they just dub everything. So even though it's not the same language, it's also like not the real audio regardless. So that's kind of like, you know, once you know that you're like, okay, I see why they chose the more common language to use it just seems the easier yeah but i do wish they had both options you should see our you would you would like it i've watched like three fourths i okay not even three fourths uh they they get to the prison um like the little girls in the prison or the sister or something do you like it i was like i was enjoying it i was just like oh i'll definitely watch this as an event sometime i was like i'm enjoying this but and then just it's three hours. It's really hard for me to do that. <laughs> there is a literal intermission in the movie. I know I've heard. I need to just, I need to just do it. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I was able to watch it in theaters because I missed it in theaters. So I watched it when it was on Netflix or whatever. I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm I laughing. Mean. No, no, no. I'm laughing because I had tickets to go see it in theaters. And Michael was like, it's a TV movie. And I was like, it's a TV movie. What? And then I realized we later figured out he was saying it's a TV because my TV is so big, which oh. if, if you don't remember on the podcast, uh, my TV is 86 inches. We didn't like the sea beast and you were like, it's because your TVs are cheap. Sorry. Like mine's just great. Oh yeah. I love the sea beast. It was a no, very, you said it was ugly, which it is. <laughs> um, it was, no, it I, was a very confusing text. Cause I did say, it's a big TV movie. And I think like <laughs> it sounded like I was saying it's a big TV movie. Like, like it's, it's a big like, TV movie. Right. 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 <laughs> what I just spent is cause I had actually just been over to his place for the first time and I saw that TV. So I was still like awash in the glow of how fucking huge <laughs> that thing is. And he was, he was saying like, Oh, I'm going to go drive to the theater to go see it. I'm like, it's like, sure. Like it's fun in the theater, but like, you don't need to, it's perfectly good on your big TV. Yeah. Like it would be like, that's what I meant. <laughs> and then like when I was putting, when I was putting it on my list, Paul, was, he, he texted me. He's like, why the fuck do you have RRR here? You literally told me you hated it. I was like, when? I was like, I was like, it was like you literally said it was a TV movie. <laughs> you said it was I had to go send an original film. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a decom. I will say, I think R- well, RR, I do enjoy. I think it's overall really good. But I think both that and Nope, whether or not you actually like the overall films, I think the directing in both is pretty undeniable. So, like. And what I will say, Paul, the second half of RRR is better than the first. Yes. Yeah, I've heard by a lot. Uh, I, I didn't my, dislike it. Like I, I had a good time. It's just no, no. But what I'm saying is if you oh, already like it. it actually, but... you know, what's embarrassing about this um, is I think I <laughs> like made a list of all the movies I should watch before the end of the year. And I ended up watching things like Spirited <laughs> and Bros. <laughs> really need to catch up on all the important movies. Spirited, Bros um, and some like animated movies. <laughs> I tried uh, Strange World. 
<laughs> I watched exactly 10 minutes of Strange World and I was like, absolutely not. Never in a million years. <laughs> I, well, to be fair, you fully had COVID. So like your brain wasn't, your brain wasn't at like peak That's capacity. Um, the fun thing about Strange World, though, is the opening song that they sing was one of the guys I was friends with in high school. Oh, the, that's cute. He was singing it. And I was like, hey. <laughs> the guy from Ambulance is in that, right? No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he is. Jakey. For mine. Uh, he had a great year. Um, well, I stand with Taylor Swift. So actually, I think he's terrible in both. Um, that's a joke. <laughs> Uh, biggest positive surprise or no not biggest positive surprise sorry favorite directed film for me uh yeah damien chazelle babylon not to just repeat exactly what michael said but just like masterful they sent me a link for it and i watched it three times now i think three or four times it's just a film like three hours it's a long film but like there are nights where i'm just like yeah i could just go for that right now and it's great um i will also say that i think what Guadagnino does with Bones and All is beautiful directing, such tenderness. Paul, another film Paul hates. Every film I mentioned, Paul hates. I think the directing there is fucking phenomenal. And then I'm I will say, I'm gonna let's piss off some people. I think what Florian Zeller does in The Sun is unbelievably talented. I love The Sun. Hot take. I think it's better than The Father, and I gave The Father five stars. That is a film very clear. Number one, I'll say, Child of Divorce. So like maybe it got me in some personal ways that maybe it didn't get everyone, but. I think the directing there is like unbelievable alongside the acting and screenplay and everything else so i'll say that paul you like the sun we have to be in this together like it's I, not it, was, work. it was i i didn't dislike it but it has not like when i think about movies that existed this year i do forget that the sun exists although it is in my list later when hugh jackman like looks in the water and his face like turns to anthony Hopp. brilliant beautiful beautiful stuff um, let's talk about biggest surprise, biggest positive surprise. I will start out with Barbarian. Wait, who, what did people say? Oh, any direction? Oh, sorry, I totally forgot. Uh, only one did actually, because I actually didn't ask for this. But Benjamin West still said Zach Kreger for Barbarian, which I oh, very that, well directed film. You know what? Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Michael is not a fan of Barbarian. I don't like oh, it. I, ha- I have. I have. I have it later, actually, in a okay. one of our other categories. Well, I'm going to talk about it right now for biggest positive surprise, because I went to the world premiere of Barbarian. So no one knew anything about the film other than like Bill Skarsgård was in it. And that's it. Um, and I do not love. So it's your fault. Movies. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, I do not love horror movies because I get very scared. But this film was genuinely the best theatrical experience of my life. It was during Comic-Con. And just like the crowd was perfect. It was like the right energy where it was sold out. People are like yelling at the screen in like a good way that worked. It wasn't like distracting Marvel movie. Um, Just caught me off guard and is absolutely one of my favorites. Specifically because I think that theatrical experience was incredible. I rewatched it with a friend in an empty theater like three weeks after it released normally. And it was definitely like less impressive. But I really enjoyed that. Michael, what's your surprise? Oh, go for um, it. Wait, I want to hop in real quick. Um, (laughs) Only because uh, just about Barbarian. I had the exact same uh, experience as you, I think like three weeks later. But the funniest part is, so um, I was with one of my friends, uh, Matt Donato, and he got a text about someone who hated the movie said it was the worst movie of the year at the exact same point that carson texted my group that he loved it and uh both matt and i were like 
I have no clue how people are going to feel about this damn movie. Because <laughs> it was like literally at the exact same second. Carson's like, this movie's so good. And the other person was like, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. So I but yes, I, I did the same thing. And I saw it in a big theater and I enjoyed it. But so I have um, I have two positive surprises I'd want to point out. Um, the first is Senior, which is a documentary about Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Downey Sr., I did not expect that I would be bothered at all by that movie. And it actually turns out that it's a really well, I didn't know anything about Robert Downey senior. And it turns out they, he has a really interesting history and his work is really cool. And just like the whole dynamic of how, because the movie is sort of about um, them making the documentary that you're watching. And also Robert Downey senior making his own documentary about himself. I thought that the whole contrast of that was really fascinating. And it, and with all the like, dialogue right now going on about like nepo babies i thought it was really interesting to take a look at maybe a more foundational nepo baby relationship that kind of feels like it's at the root of a lot of those issues and sort of see like a more i guess pure version of that dynamic if that makes sense um and then the other one that i would want to talk about is puss in boots the last wish which I did not understand why we were doing that. Like I would get doing another Shrek, but doing another Puss in Boots, like what the, where the hell is there left to go with that? And I did not anticipate the Shrek's franchise's pivot into Shonen anime, but I am very on board for it because that movie was just visually absolutely insane and just like, it was more of an action movie than like a, a comedy. Like it, like it, it had more of the vibe of like road to El Dorado than DreamWorks has had in a very long time. And I really appreciated that. It made me excited because um, the director of Puss in Boots last wish is doing Kung Fu Panda four. And I really like those movies. So I'm eager to see how that new animation style is going to work with Kung Fu Panda. I think it's going to be great. I DreamWorks is back. That's so exciting. I like love Puss in Boots. I found it so funny at the end when it ends on this like Marvel cliffhanger for the new Shrek film. Adored. Love it. And I want to see Shrek in this new like context. Yes. Like Shrek with these big like fucking massive fight scenes. I'm just imagining like him (laughs) and Donkey doing like team up moves and like freaking like taking down a giant and shit. It really like recontextualizes and revitalizes the whole like concept of the Shrek franchise. It like really kind of turns it into the 2020s. You do. You would really like it. I think you should see it. Um, If we can keep holding out for a hero though, as the song that plays during that golden Shrek five stars. (laughs) Um, I'll Um, say Jordan. I'll just quickly say Jordan Dennis agrees with you that Puss in Boots Boots was his biggest surprise. Jordan. Um, I thought it was just surprises. So I picked four and I'm going with them. Um, but you know what? My biggest one obviously is Top Gun Maverick. I had zero interest even after everyone told me it was going to be great. And then I watched it. And I was like, oh, this was a lot of fun. Also, side note, get very annoyed with people that like it's a propaganda movie. It's like, yeah, sure. But like, you're not cool to say that. Like, <laughs> it doesn't make you interesting to say that again and again and again. Most people I know. Um, 
with that also i really loved um <laughs> fletch fully looking um, at me while he said that <laughs> no actually yeah, it was at a party was it was at a party where like i had already gotten in trouble for saying that i didn't like everything everywhere all at once an x and everyone's sitting around like oh this person and they were like what movies did you like and i said top gun <gasps> maverick and they all were like <laughs> the propaganda movie and i was like you know what <laughs> leave me alone anyway um confess fletch um i had to be fucking dragged to that movie i was begging my friend not to make me go uh chris and then we both got there and i was like no that was great i love that that was so fun i thought because it, i thought it was going to be related to the other fletch movies which i'd never seen but apparently that's like completely different not even related um also has one of my favorite jokes of all time so um another one uh carson this one's for you uh, Death on the Nile. Um, I do not like the first one, uh, Murder on the Orient Express. I haven't rewatched it recently. And I was like, this is still not good. Death on the Nile hits me right. And then my last one is Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Another movie I was like, I don't want to watch this. And then I was like watching. I'm sorry. Even if you don't particularly like the movie, the amount of nostalgia that movie fits in. Like you can look in the background and like Doug Funny's a lawyer. It's so good. Love it. That movie really proved the existence of micro generations to me because (laughs) you're just a few years older than me. I was sitting there watching Chippendale going, I don't know what the fuck any of these things are. They keep being like, remember this, remember this? I didn't remember shit. I didn't remember anything. (laughs) There was nothing connecting me to that movie whatsoever. And all it is Um, is just a bunch of remember this, remember this, remember this jokes. The funniest part is that it's um, the same guys who did that movie that you made me rent. It is, uh, yeah, the pop, Lonely Island, yeah. yeah the pop star never no, stop, never stopping, which I was like, oh, maybe I'll like this. And I was like, no, still don't like this. Um, but you know what? People grow, people change, people get better. Um, also, it had a Jimmy Neutron reference, which, like, thank God. We yeah, always need more Jimmy Neutron references. I genuinely thought about putting this, but as soon as I saw the trailer and I saw that Cats 2019 was in it, I knew I was going to love it. So did not. it was not really a surprise. Um <laughs> Oh, boy, uh, going to what other people thought, Josh Rowley really loved The Swearing Jar. I'm going to be honest, I've never heard of that film, but I'm really happy that Josh liked it. Nuance Film Takes, <laughs> Nuance film takes said Stars at Noon, uh, the Claire Denis film. Another movie I did not watch, but she's had two. What? I love, I'm obsessed with these people choosing movies. Like, we're like, choose choose surprises and they're like we'll choose movies that don't exist (laughs) (laughs) honestly they could just be lying at this point um bernard um, oh oh, this looks cute it has patrick j adams in it you know what i'll swearing jar for my mom yeah it's about carrie and simon an otherwise perfect couple try to kick their swearing habit before their baby arrives Next week, Sounds guys, prepare for Clappercast official review of this. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, it's a surprisingly Bernard... long movie for a drama. How long is it? Two hours. Mm. Like a like a well, comedy drama. It's also a musical. Every time they swear, okay. they add ten minutes to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, Bernard like a was adventure. <laughs> yes, Bernard said Clerks three. He said he, I believe he said he hated Clerks too, but Clerks three really got him. I've not seen any of the Clerks, but I'm happy for you. Huh. Uh, Chris Gonzo said Metal Lords. Didn't see it. The Netflix one about a girl becoming goth. I think. Don't know, but great for you. Oh, I remember that one. 
Um, someone by the name of In My Honest Opinion Reviews said Smile, a horror movie that got a lot of people, I'll say. I watched it recently. I don't know if I'm very, you know, into it like how many people are, but I thought it was pretty good. Fifth I best put that on my bad surprises guys. list, too. Nice. Um, fifth best Will said The Bad Guys, which I agree. I really enjoyed The Bad Guys. Um, and then Isaiah Henry said Bones and All, which great for you. I was excited for it, so it wasn't a surprise, but I'm happy someone else likes it. Uh, now let's finish off our positive section, because if you've not noticed, this has shockingly been the positive part of the podcast um, with our favorite <laughs> films of the year. I'm going to go through the list very quickly because I've pretty much talked about everything on this list. Babylon Bros, The Sun, Bones and All, Ticket to Paradise from the guy who made Mamma Mia 2. Of course, I was going to give it five stars. And I think it's just such a bundle of joy and fun. And then also I have Death on the Nile. So, Paul, we're thinking alike there. Michael, what are your favorite films of the year? Um, I've pretty much talked about my top five all pretty much, but it's uh, from one to five, uh, Babylon on the count of three, Nope, Everything Everywhere, and Pearl. Well, with Paul <laughs> stepping away, I, let's go to the fans. I guess, guess Paul's quit. This is really, <laughs> this is the best time for Paul to be gone because now he won't shit on our um, fans. Jordan Dennis put Everything Everywhere all at once. Josh Rowley said he couldn't decide between Decision to Leave and Elvis. I'll say Decision to Leave. Very good film. Nuance Film Tank said Crimes of the Future. Bernard said After Sun. In My Honest Opinion Review said The Fablemans. Chris Gonzo said The Whale. Um, Umesh Singh said The Quiet Girl. Dominic Rigazzi also said The Fablemans. Isaiah Henry said The Whale. And Benjamin West said Decision to Leave. I think most of those are great choices. Paul, what are your favorite films of the year now that you are back? Surprisingly small amount of people saying everything everywhere all at once. Agreed. Just, I'm just, just I was expecting this just to be. Um, okay, so my top five. Um, A Taste of Hunger. Uh, fucking love that movie. Uh, the Banshees of Inish Aaron. The Outfit. Pleasure. And my number one is still Tar. Although ugh, in my heart, it's beaten back and forth with pleasure um (laughs) but like i think ultimately pleasure may win out on that pleasure beats a little harder yeah i like pleasure more they also were they also had like the same overall kind of like about ambition getting pushed too hard and stuff which i think is really interesting um i do have a theme (laughs) on movies i like um but even Taste of Hunger is about that. Um, but yeah, no, I think this was like a this was a good year for movies that are not <laughs> like not one of those movies except for Banshees. Is, uh, Banshees and Tar are really like in conversations. And uh, it's funny because those are the ones that are like the coldest to me. Like I love them, but I don't have like a passion in my heart about them um, like I do for. Like, I just watch them. And I'm like, this is fantastic. You know, sometimes you just do that with movies. And you're like, I don't feel anything, but I, I really love it. Although Tar does some of the moments in Tar are fantastic. Agreed. Um, well, let's go to the negative part of the podcast and mention our biggest disappointments of the year. I'm going to quickly say Thor Love and Thunder. I really enjoy, like, not to be an MCU stan here. I don't like most of these films, let's just be honest. But I really enjoy Thor Ragnarok. I think what Taika Waititi did there was very good. It was very funny, very entertaining, just like a breath of fresh air. And then Thor Love and Thunder came out and was like, just sucked the life out of me, to be honest. I think that film is like embarrassingly bad made. 
or like and then like it even gets worse because then like he goes online and like makes fun of it being bad and it's like well you made the film why are you shitting on you know visual <laughs> direct art people i don't know but like that film just like i was really like oh it's gonna be an mcu project i like and it wasn't so that's sad for me michael what film disappointed you this year or what films if you have multiple uh for sure i thor is also on my list for basically the same reasons I think that's one of the most pitiful movies ever made by a major studio. Like it's actually inexcusable how bad that movie is. And I think that it was, it was negligently made to the point to where I think that Taika shouldn't have been paid to make it. Um, the, uh, aside from that, uh, another one for me, I I'll, I'll do a few of them. Uh, for me, Don't Worry Darling was a big one. I know a lot of people gave up on that one quicker than I did, but I was expecting that once we got to the, once we finally pierced through the drama and got to the movie itself, that it would deliver. And it was just okay. Um, hated Barbarian. I, th- I still think that it's, it's a, it's a well-assembled script, but it's also really kind of like, st- I, don't like what it has to say about its central monster. I think it's monster that it's really kind of stigmatizing and gross and just very kind of, I I think it just, I think it just, it gave me such a shitty, horrible feeling and just made me feel like the director just has a really ugly view of victims. And then to have all these like, horror bros coming out of it oh it's the most fucking awesome movie ever man it's gory as shit it's shocking you're not gonna know what's around the next fucking corner bro i just like i got so fucking turned off and then another one and this one will get me in trouble i didn't like guillermo del toro's pinocchio very much oh i, no, I, I thought it was annoying to be honest like like the, it's just the central pinocchio character really just made me want to put my foot through a wall and i thought that it was very visually stunning but i just never once cared about the characters and i felt like it was more kind of breezing through a lot of big themes than really exploring them and it was very constrained to the material that they were working with like i wish that he had just made a animated movie about fascism and didn't try to make it into a pinocchio movie like like it just like it was just it was a weird it was it was a weird mix for me and i love del toro yeah uh that one for me i i keep calling it a wet cake movie which is like you watch it and it exists and then it just falls apart almost instantly and you're like what happened in that like i just can't remember anything from that movie like you were watching it and texting me and i'm like yeah i guess that did happen in that movie (laughs) the pinocchio story I love the film. I all I will say is I think it's a bold choice if you had to replace any part of Pinocchio and insert Hitler Youth Camp to replace <laughs> the best part of the original Pinocchio is a choice. <laughs> is all I will say. <laughs> so weird. Um, so my biggest disappointments um, were like how I thought of it was um, movies that I remember sitting exact opposite of what I did for biggest surprises. These were movies that I went into the theater and I was like, fuck y'all, let's do this. Let's go. And then got out and I was like, Oh, okay. Um, number one, Jurassic world dominion. And I am like, not a hater of Jurassic world dominion, but, uh, it's not fucking the last Jurassic world movie. It's just like, it's fine. Um, but it could have been so great. 
Um, you know, Jurassic Park is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like it's in my top 10. Um, Uncharted was another one. Um, and that was one I knew I probably wouldn't like, but I just had hope because I love Uncharted as the video games. Um, uh, gonna upset some people here. The menu, um, the menu I was so excited for, and I felt so goddamn cold while I was sitting there. Uh, just nothing, nothing to it for me. Um, see how they run another movie that I was like, yes, let's do this, especially because, okay. And I blame this a little bit on, um, film Twitter and like my friends and everything. Um, letterbox people, they were like, it's so surprising. You'll never guess. And both Chris and I were like, no, but like we knew who it was most of the movie. Right. (laughs) And then we like watched it and I was like, wait, this is not trickery. Um, (laughs) and another one of those, um, my last one of the, uh, creepy murder stories that didn't end up being as good as I thought they were going to be was, uh, Glass Onion and Knives Out story, um, which we talked about last week, so we don't really need to get into it, but very disappointed. And I sit more and more disappointed the more I think about it. Um, but I would like a Ryan Johnson whodunit hat if Ryan would like to send me one. <laughs> uh, I can reach out and try to get him to send you out one. Um, we wear it. All the time. <laughs> well, These you know, I find mid. <laughs> Ryan, if you send us enough and we'll send it to every guest and then every episode, we will all just be wearing them. <laughs> so we're all sitting there. <laughs> we're all, and the best part is that we don't like the film. That's the best part of it all. <laughs> is that I don't like it and we're still like, no, I'm not great. We're all in the hats. <laughs> um the other ones that everyone else picked um that have not been mentioned so far nuance film takes mentioned the fablemans which i agree with sorry everyone Air. um bernard i wasn't Blonde. excited about that one yeah i wasn't either oh uh, that's a good one Blonde that's a good one is good but also like if you it's disappointing if you were ignorant to what it was about like as soon as you read anything about it you were like oh this is not going to be good um but it right was but like I would put that in the Uncharted category where you're like, I think it's not going to be great. And then you're like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's the first time those two have ever been compared. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, 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 definitely wasn't watching, I definitely wasn't watching Blonde being like, I'm getting real Uncharted. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great feature someone should write, comparing Uncharted and Blonde. <laughs> Let's um, do the crossover. With Nathan Drake finds <laughs> Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Chris Gonzo with a great pick here. Men. I agree completely. Yes. I was excited for men. Outside of the birthing segment, not good. Men That sucks. was great. See, I, I did not like the birthing segment. Like, Chris and I almost left. <laughs> you should have. Like, that was so real. And it's really funny because I looked through my reviews and I was like, I gave that a two star. Like... <laughs> It is funny, like, when you get out of a movie and you're like, I guess I liked the... It, it gave me a lot of feelings, two star, and then you get out and you're like, that was a half star film. What am I... <laughs> Look, I'm not going to show on people's opinions. I'm not one to say anyone's wrong. But I've seen conversation and been in the spaces where conversations have been had, where people are like, what do you think the awards breakdown for the actors are in men? Because I think they're all deserving. And I just kind of sit there and I'm like, huh, we live on different worlds. <laughs> um fifth best will said the or batman i would love more oh, you know what i don't think oh. it was i didn't okay. love it like everyone else but like i thought it was good you know what that sits directly in the center for me i think it's 
a surprise and also a big disappointment because here's the thing i don't like matt reeves i don't Mm. trust him with properties um we still are dealing with what he did with the planet of the apes trilogy and people are like those movies are good and it's like yeah but it's like doesn't care about source material whatsoever that movie is a very specific (laughs) series is a very specific thing and he was like no it's not anymore and i feel like he did that again with batman um, but less so than I was expecting. I really was expecting to hate it, but I also wanted to love it more. So it's very much, I gave yeah. it like three stars, but that's where, you know, I was trying to think like, what is my most mid movie of the year? And I'm like, I think it's actually the Batman. <laughs> I the dug highs it were when high it and the lows were low. I dug it when it wasn't setting up HBO Max original s- series. That's yes. my guess. Um, Omesh Singh really agrees with you. He said Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio also, but he also said The Fablemans. Uh, Dominic Ragazzi said The Northman. Okay, I agree actually there also. I think that's not that good of a film, but valid, everyone. Isaiah Henry said Elvis. Um, you're wrong. That's okay. Mm, and then Benjamin and West good. said 3,000 Years of Longing, Wait, which I completely that? understand. Benjamin West said uh, Elvis. Oh no, sorry. Isaiah Henry said Elvis. He came back. All right. <laughs> Came back around. We love that guy. <laughs> actually banned from, um, well, we actually blocked him from the Twitter account after he sent that one in. Sorry. Um, I won't be listening to this because I did ban him. Just kidding. Benjamin West had 3,000 years of longing, which like, sure, I accept that. Oh, you know what? That If you were a big, 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 yeah. big fan of um, uh, Mad Max, I could see that being like very upsetting. So I, I totally get that. I didn't even see it. And I literally forgot that that was a movie that exists. I enjoyed I no it, but I, but I enjoyed it, but I thought it petered out at the end. I thought the I think it's so strange. Yeah. I liked like, two thirds of it. And then it just kind of like forgets to have an ending. And then it's just suddenly like, and it's done. All right. And it's so, it feels so, like he had to leave production yeah and someone who hadn't seen the rest of the film came in like as soon as the neighbors showed up i was like i don't know what yeah exactly we lost the plot quite literally the second they leave Um, the hotel room it's over it should have just been the hotel room for sure um overall worst films of the year i'll start because i have three i have white noise another one you could find disappointment i like bomb back but i think that i mean we discussed it last week i think it's trash jurassic world dominion I am a weird, like, defender of the Jurassic World series, but it's really hard for me to defend Dominion at all. It is, like, absolutely one of the most boring... Granted, okay, I'll be honest, I got into a fight with a guard, or a security guard for the press screening, because he, like, tried to not let me in. I was like, I'm press, thank you, I have reserved seats, like... Sorry, let me in. I mean, so you I do look like a small him. child, so yeah. Which you can well, now see he on was video a little child. on YouTube. <laughs> he was a little child, and I literally went into the, like had a full Karen moment. I'm not going to lie of me going to get the PR person <laughs> openly, loudly saying, okay, fucker, I'm getting the PR person. So it was like, no, it was not good, but I did walk in on bat in a bad mood. I will say, but I think that movie's trash. And like, I, it's, I think it's like laughably bad. The other one I'll say it's boring. I'm sorry, Dwayne. I like you overall, but black Adam was not it. All I'm going to say, um, <laughs> one of the most like boring, Maybe films I've ever seen, let's say. Um, was not a fan. Hope for Noah Centennial to really stand out. He did not. So sadly, I think it's probably back to Netflix for him. What did you guys think were the worst films of the year? Uh, for me, I have um, Blonde as the worst. 
to me, that was just a total affront, transgression, whatever you want to call it. It was just completely uncalled for. Uh, Andrew Dominic prison, um, horrible sleazebag fucking guy. And it really kind of stained Ana de Armas as well. And I'm a big fan of hers, but she's going to have to do a little bit of, she's going to have to do a little bit of work after that one. Um, And then number two, I have the bubble in case anybody wanted to see a hilarious comedy about the production of Jurassic world dominion. Um, I just thought that that was a horrifically tone deaf, completely unfunny movie that just like, to me, in- it's just about pe- it's just like a movie made by people who don't live in the real world who really think they do, and that's just the most goddamn irritating combination. And then third, I have four. You know what's funny about the bubble? I was thinking about it a lot recently, and I realized how many jokes are almost the exact same jokes as um, Glass Onion. Um, down to there being a sequence where they have a famous celebrity as a personal trainer. that's on a screen i was like this is so weird and it's all about like being in the pandemic but it's rich people who don't have to deal with it's very strange um the connections between those two um are very similar to um uncharted and blonde um (laughs) that's my that was my strategy this year though i hid my opinion on the book because i did like the bubble i hid my opinion with it with my bad morbius thoughts so everyone just saw the morbius and no one could see past it to see that i did like the bubble (laughs) um I am between the two of you because I did not like the bubble whatsoever, but I think the trailer for the bubble is like fantastic. And like, I've watched it like multiple times after not liking the movie or something about the music, whoever that edit trailer editor was. I was like, yes. Um, side note. I think uh, trailers make or break things a lot more than people realize. And that's my truth. Um, I wonder if my... that's why I have the worst opinions ever. Cause I don't watch trailers like at all. I like, do not watch them that actually might why it it honestly could be like not because i also don't, don't have plot the synopsis um, i don't like i do not because i'm gonna see them anyway so there's no point so i really go into every film blind like see that's why um okay so my five um <laughs> coming in at number five is bros um number four is the monsters <laughs> um number three is you know what it's wendell and wild and i like (laughs) fucking hated that movie like i I, like carson had told me it wasn't great and then so i was like ready for. i said it was good i said you would hate it i enjoy i like the movie a lot i said you would um yeah no i fucking hated that movie um I cannot believe I got through it. Um, number two is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Number one, the worst film of the year, without question, is the newest Hellraiser. Um, I, as the biggest fan of the Hellraiser series, um, I read the book in preparation. Um, I went and saw the first two movies again in theaters with a uh, friend of the podcast, Chris. I was so pumped. I um, loved the night house, like loved the night house. Um, but the thing about Hellraiser is that it's very uh, transgressively sexy. And this movie is transgressively like cold and clinical and also has weird morals. Like uh, there's like barrier gay aspects and like, there's just all sorts of very strange 
strange things that that movie chooses to do. And I hated it. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I also want to add Power of the Dog to my list, even though it was last year, but just like I'm Valid. still suffering from it. Um, I always forget that movie exists until people bring it up and then like my brain screams. I wish I could. Ugh. I wish I could, Michael. The worst. Um, best part, again, like bros written for me. They shit on Power of the Dog in it. Like, yes, really. You get it. Um, let's see what everyone else said. Josh Rowley said Amsterdam. I agree. Uh, Bernard said Where the Crawdads Sing, which I agree. I think that was a bad film, except the end. Never forget two things. When Alina gave a two-hour recap of the film to Paul, and Paul just walked away during it, and Alina kept speaking. Um, and also the batshit insane ending of it, which is maybe my favorite ending of the year. I will give it. Chris Gonzo said Windfall. Sure. Hey! I liked it. But... I almost put Windfall, but I thought it was so oh. unnecessarily. I didn't even reference it, but it actually is in my top five. Bros would not have made it. I enjoyed Windfall. No, we should have switched those out. My, you know, <laughs> next time of five. I'm the... I also took out. I also took out 365 days this day, um, because I was like, everyone knows that's bad, um, and also because if people asked, I would be like, but the next 365 days, kind of liked. We gave it like a oh one star. God. I was like, this is okay. Now the I have last to watch one just it. like What? And I have to watch it. Watch I oh. it after this day. I never no, got to no, the no, last no. one. The, the last one is like it just doesn't it's not even a movie anymore. It's just like a giant music video and you're like, I can kind of vibe with this. It doesn't try to have a plot. <laughs> it's so much Maybe fun. Man. They just go shopping and drink and like Go to the same strip club like 20 times. <laughs> okay, I'll so watch it. Fun. You've convinced me. <laughs> um, fifth Best Will said Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Valid. I, You know, I liked it. No one else did it, it seems. Dominic Rigazzi <laughs> said No Exit. I've been, it was on my watch list the entire year. Never got around oh, to it. Oh, that was not good. But oh, also okay. not worst of the year. Very well, Dominic disagrees. Like, no, no, no. Like, it's it's impressive to, like, put it on there. Like, I it's like harmlessly boring like um but I also could see it being so boring that it makes the worst of the year you know what I'll allow it this is what Paul wants <laughs> to, this is what Paul wants someone to say about him putting bros on his worst list <laughs> oh, interesting no he wants me to cry Michael so That's brave the <laughs> uh and finally Benjamin West also agreed Texas Chainsaw Massacre which I will agree is terrible but I think it's really funny towards the end so I think like it kind of works Let's go to a most annoying performance or character of the year. Um, mine is going to be Sadie Sink in The Whale. I like Sadie. I want to make that very clear. I think she's the best thing in Stranger Things. In The Whale, she is god-awful. She tries to murder the man, and then they're like, but she really loves people. And it was like, no. And she just comes off as like terribly fake and forced, and I was not a fan. What were you guys? Who, who annoyed you? I've got a, I've got four that I want to bring up quickly. Um, the first is the rock and black Adam to make people Fair. wait for so long and to hold that character hostage for over a decade, only to give the most phoned in performance that feels like he skimmed a comic book in his trailer before walking on set. J just embarrassing. He he's embarrassing right now. Um, a minor one that is in the same vein is John Krasinski and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, let's put that fan cast to bed now 
because even his <laughs> deliveries of those 10 lines were just so incredibly wooden. The hole in the dimensions is going to cause that like he could give a fuck <laughs> like let's let's please find someone who wants to play reed richards a big one for me is sam rockwell and see how they run um i'm a big, i'm a big fan of his he was giving nothing in that performance like you could definitely tell he was trying to kind of do like a riff on like benoit blanc where like it's like kind of the like the chilled out kind of like lethargic detective but it was it ended up being so lethargic that it was non-existent Sersha was absolutely carrying his corpse throughout that entire fucking movie uh and finally and most egregiously um Nicolas Cage in the unbearable weight of massive talent was truly unbearable in the sense that that entire movie is supposed to be built around this is why we absolutely love this person and all of their eccentricities and by the end of that movie, I was like, Nicolas Cage, please shut the fuck up forever. Because that was just an abrasive and wildly unfunny movie. And most of it was just because uh, half of his dialogue was just screaming. And you could tell that they were like really reaching to get like some new Nicolas Cage memes. And it just was a really embarrassing display that really kind of destroyed my enthusiasm for his comeback although i'm sure when renfield comes out and he's great as dracula i'll be back in but like i really just i'm getting so sick of like meta comedy which is very funny because i used to be so into meta comedy but it's just got like post deadpool it's gotten so unbelievably lazy and that's a big egregious example for me um Mine, I'm going to, I'm in three categories. Um, one is, uh, horror actors who just aren't great and really pull down the movie because they're supposed to have emotions and just don't Sarah Yarkin. I already mentioned, um, also, uh, Odessa Azion, sorry if I'm mispronouncing her name and Hellraiser horrible performance. Um, Billy Eichner and Cooper Rafe in cha-cha real smooth and bros. Uh, uh, which is that I wrote for myself and I've made myself so cool and everyone thinks I'm hot shit. It's just like, it really grates on me. And I think I would have liked both movies more if they had not cast themselves. And like, that's my like ultimate truth there. Um, and you have to know, I love Billy Eichner and difficult people. This is not against Billy Eichner. It's against Billy Eichner's writing himself. Like when Julie Klausner writes Billy Eichner, being billy eichner she makes him a piece of shit which like billy eichner kind of is like you just know like you meet billy eichner and you're like you know see him on you're like i know he would not be someone i'd enjoy being around i think he's really smart and really clever but he just doesn't he gets bad vibes um and then my last one this is not the fault of the actress but it is the funniest thing of the year and the most distracting thing that ever happened to me um in (laughs) 2022 was uh fan bing bing in the 355 and you're like, really weird. Why the fuck? <laughs> because <laughs> she is banned from leaving China. So they shot an entire film with her in a different area from everyone else. And then whenever they had to do group shots, pasted her face onto a different actress. And this like, <laughs> it's so weird because I expected I walked out of that movie and I was like, everyone's going to be talking about this. 
No one talked about it. Still, I looked up articles and like no one's talking about it. It's so obvious. Like you can look up like that's something that happened. But like the way they do it, because they couldn't get the same cinematographers, the movie will be shot like every American movie. And then all of a sudden it'll cut to Fan Bingbing in like a like perfume commercial. Like the lighting is completely different. And like <laughs> it is the wildest thing. But also because like um, she's not acting with them. Her performance is rough. Like she does not know how everyone's going to respond to things. So like there's one scene where she's talking to Sebastian Stan and Sebastian Stan's being big and she's so muted. And you're like, this is not lining. Like I would have cut her completely. I feel so bad for her because I actually really liked her in um, X-Men. I want to say it's the time travel one. Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past. She's great in that. Um, but there wasn't to be. Do you want to wrap well, with three favorite scenes? Yeah, let's drop with our favorite scenes. I will say I completely forgot that we were doing this. Peace and love. So I really created these off the fly, and I have five of them. Wow. Ooh. Um, all right. Shit. I will say the ending movie montage in Babylon. I have seen the worst takes ever. Wow. Cinema. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, the middle hour of Avatar, The Way of Water, where it's just like sucks the plot. <laughs> Favorite scene. No, it's really like one hour. scene. No, but, no, but, no, but he, he's right, though. The movie stops the plot and is just like, do you want to swim underwater with some aliens? Yeah. And it's like, great. <laughs> no, That's it, it, what I'm here that's, for in Avatar. That's so valid. <laughs> so, no, Paul, you haven't seen it yet, but he's he's right. <laughs> no, it yeah. is one. Like, no, it really like, is the no, middle that's, hour. That's, that's based, actually. Um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness has such a good style because of uh, Sam... Uh, blah, blah, the director. I forgot his Sam name. Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi, thank you. And it's very clear he knows this is never going to happen again. So as a fuck you to the MCU at the end, he gives Doctor Strange's horrible looking third eye. That is like <laughs> completely god-awful visual effects. But it is like perfect for the context of the film. And I am, <laughs> the only thing I care about in the MCU truly at this point is the next appearance of Doctor Strange to see what they do with this terrible Sam Raimi third eye. That's great. <laughs> In Barbarian, when Justin Long is measuring the stairs, I think that is hysterical. Laughing out loud gets me every time. The last one is uh, Death on the Nile, when they turn the corner and Gal Gadot is standing in a big Cleopatra outfit. Uh, love it. <laughs> that, is, that is foreshadowing, and I'm excited. So that's my opinions on the best scenes of the year. What do you guys think? I just want to briefly piggyback and say one of my contenders was the Illuminati deaths in Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. That was an incredible gag because as much as I was just shitting on John Krasinski in the fan cast and everything, that was my job was on the floor that I couldn't believe they did that. And to see all the MCU fans get mad about a silly, scary gag just because like they they don't understand like what an actual joke in a movie is supposed to be like it's just like that was that was that was beautiful to me um as far as my three go uh the first i've kept my um batman robert pattinson uh thirsting to a minimum on this uh so far but the something in the way montage in the batman is absolutely iconic and I think like really does a beautiful job just like establishing 
his performance and Matt Reeves take on the character, even if 90% of the movie is just him lurking around rooms and doing a point and click adventure game. Uh, like I, like I, I like, I like it, but the more I get distance from it, the more I do realize that so much of it is just cause I love Robert Pattinson so much. But if Robert Pattinson <laughs> wasn't the lead in it and it was someone else, I'd be like, this is a movie where Batman like looks at the wall and then looks the Nicholas Holt and, version. Right. And I'm sure Nicholas Holt would have been good too. But, 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 the funniest part is it would be a hundred percent opposite. And I'd be like, no, this movie was fantastic. Right. right. Um, <laughs> Um, the second one is a scene that I've dubbed Arts Project from Terrifier 2, which I would say is <laughs> the main kill scene in Terrifier 2. It is this extended sequence that goes on somewhere between four and 50 minutes of art, <laughs> art brutally murdering this one woman. And it is just a phenomenal showcase of practical effects that is really just like for the budget they made terrifier two on some of these gore shots are just batshit crazy. And then just when you think there's a moment, Paul, where during this scene, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but there's a specific moment that I think is either going to be, you're going to be like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen, or you're going to be like, fuck this movie completely. Um, we've got to watch it together. Uh, Was that the TikTok that I sent you? Maybe. I, ask me later. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's that's a big one for me, because I just think that, that the craftsmanship in that scene is stellar. Uh, and then the getting the sound take scene from Babylon is probably my favorite sequence of the year. Just watching this, um, just trying to get a simple like scene of Margot Robbie, like making a phone call in a dorm room. And it turns into this psychotic, like tsunami of events of just all the different things that could possibly go wrong. And it felt like Damien Chazelle was really back in his whiplash tenor of just these like really stressful, like kind of repetitive scenes that were just perfectly calibrated. And that was just, that to me was by far the funniest scene in any movie this year, easily, even though it was very morbid. If anyone else ruins a scene, I'm going to shit on you. I will shit right on you. Great scene. <laughs> Paul, I think, do you think Paul was going to like Babylon or do you think he's going to hate it? Because I'm kind of like he's going to hate it. I, I, it, I'm I, seeing it tomorrow at 10 p.m. That's the, yeah, oh, I think he's, he's going to fall asleep, to be honest. Yeah. I think. No, I'm drinking Red Bull. I think it's going to be. I think it's just like. I think maybe it's just going to be overhyped for him. Like, mm. I, th I think. I think that's more what it is. is what hype? It's you too. It's a lot of. A lot of people like it. I, I think. But he, you, you value our opinion. So I will say. I will say it's you, you two, and Film Drunk are the only people that I know like this movie. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> That's a trail. Um, so my three favorite. Uh, uh, okay. I tried to do these as scenes in movies that I was like, sure. Um, but I was like, one second, I was like, oh, yeah, fuck, yes. Um, Anthony Hopkins in the sun. I know that seems like it should be a performance. But no, it was just the whole scene, how it was written, how it was directed, everything about it. Unlike Samantha Morton in The Whale, which I think was an okay scene, but she was just killing. Um, also, Samantha Morton and she said the only moment of that movie that I was like, yes, I'm feeling something. Uh, <laughs> she said Samantha he slept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I made it through that movie. I was just great. Um, 
the um fat Amish uh paradise sequence of Weird the Al Yankovic story. Um, a movie that I thought was funny. Um, but like I had gotten to the point where I was like, I I'm not into this movie anymore. I'm, I'm like good. And I'm like, I was seeing it like one of the premieres, and I was like, but I started like losing vibe. And then all of a sudden, there's just the sequence, and I think it's specifically one line from Daniel Radcliffe and um it's just set up so well and it's so funny and Julianne Nicholson's performance is fantastic and I just think like it's so clever in how they go here's how we're creating this with this character um and it was the first it's like one of the big moments in that movie where I was like yes you're understanding how to do this movie um, and then last one, Carson and I were debating whether or not this was considered a 2022 or a 2021 movie. Um, I'm going to call it a 2022 because it came out in February. Um, Cyrano. And you watch this movie and it's like um, very slow, very boring with very bad singing. And I'm like so checked out. And then all of a sudden there's a sequence called Whenever I Fall. Um, and I went and re-listened to it um, to see if I was still emotionally connected to this. And yes. Um, but basically, the movie just stops down. All of the characters that we've been paying attention to do not matter for about five minutes. While we tell these three stories about people who know they're about to die in battle. And they're telling their life story. And like it's emotional and beautiful. And then you watch them as they're each taken down. And you're like, this is so good. And then it goes right back to like Haley Bennett squealing out, no, Sarah, no. I'm like, God, (laughs) it really is so wild. And I was like, you know, I wish you could just have. And that's actually why I suggested this, because I was like, it'd be great that Anthony Hopkins. I wish you could just like be like, the movie's fine. This scene needs to be like remembered. Um, I wish we would do that more. I think like. Uh, you know, and uh, kind of like going into our overall uh, wrap up on this. I think one of the things that's really interesting about um, these kind of um, movies and when we talk about things is like, I find a lot of movies to be too long and too boring. And then movies that I find to be really quick and, uh, you know, I was connected the whole time. People are like, that's the most boring shit I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't understand it. It's how I've always been. But, um, you know, it, I do like, I do like breaking down movies a little bit more than just like, did I like it? Did I not? Because most of the time I don't like movies, but when I talk about aspects, I really find that like, you know, there's a lot to like. And I think that that's like overall very interesting with movies is like, even the worst movie probably has a couple of moments where you're like, oh, that's great. And even your favorite movie probably has a scene that you're like, or a line or like a performance moment that you're like, wow, that was god awful and it's interesting to look at that stuff sure so that's gonna do it for our categories <laughs> actually this time <laughs> um yeah i mean i'm happy for you or sorry that happened you know uh, i thought that was beautiful it was, it was no nice. i'm sure it was great i was sorry i was on twitter um <laughs> gonna be honest so with that said let's end this off with a little round table just very quickly on what are overall thoughts on 2022 in cinema <laughs> as a year <laughs> that's what i just did <laughs> paul you went already <laughs> Michael, did you like this year? <laughs> um, well, 
when people, now you know how I edit these podcasts. Also, Paul starts talking. Right, right. Scan great. Well, you know, a lot of the time when I think a movie is too long and too boring, people will. Talk. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Okay. So what a great point, Michael! Wow, what an original great point. So, um, I think like what I was saying earlier is that to me. This was the year where all the really, like, loopy, big swing, like, deep COVID movies came out. And it was really interesting to see just what everyone attempted to do under those circumstances and to see how some filmmakers really excelled in those limitations and maybe in the case of someone like Michael Bay violated them. Um, (laughs) Like how like some like kind of felt hamstrung by that. And I think it was just really interesting because I think this was the first year where like society's reaction and like the trauma of the pandemic was starting to kind of trickle into our entertainment, whether it be in a direct way, the bubble, right? Like, but the, I was just about to say, whether it be like something like the bubble (laughs) or glass onion or, something even like barbarian like all these weird like psychotic or pearl that pearl is a better example because pearl has so much subtext about the pandemic like it like you're really starting to see i think like a generational perspective start to take shape this year and i thought that was really amazing to see more so than like the really established filmmakers making their like awards treatises like as much as like they were okay. Like movies like Banshees or Tar, they were just not my, there's not my cup of tea as much this year. I was, I was more, this was, this was, this was a year for the crazies for me. I agree. I think this is actually like a remarkably strong year in cinema when you really like get past the big names. I think a lot of the big names really disappointed. I think like especially the directors I love. There's so many directors and this has been a few years now where like I will love a director. I love their filmography. So excited for the new, you know, insert director, Wes Anderson, Scott Cooper, um, you know, wow, can I think of any examples from this year? Taika Waititi, let's say like, and like they're just bad but then you have so many like fun unique names that are really popping up that i really dig i think it is a strong year of cinema but for the vast majority of the big films like you said i mean i just i'm not that interested i don't have that much passion towards something like you know pretty much everything people are talking about i do love elvis you know i do like morbius i think it's fun sorry like um oh yes all the movies people are talking about oh that was another one i watched yeah, so my year-end wrap-up was Spirited, Morbius, and Bros. You know, two out of three. We should have done a crossover. Here's the thing. More, more Brolius. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's people Billy online I who are like, Eternals. <laughs> people are like, Eternals is so fun. Wow. Wow, Shang-Chi, that's such a fun film. No, they're not. They're just boring. You know what was fun? Morbius. <laughs> it was just Jared Leto being a vampire, and it was camp, and it was a, it was fun. Can we just have actual fun in theaters? Probably not, but I can. Cool. Well, that's going to do it for the main conversation. For some reason, this went on for like so long, but that's totally okay. I mean, we're um, talking about like 3,000 things. <laughs> that's true. Um, let's go to our question of the week, which is instead of 2020, let's look forward to 2023. What is a 2023 film you are looking forward to? Like, what are you most looking forward to um, 
Paul, you can start us off. What are you looking forward to? Because I genuinely have no idea what you're going to say. Yeah, you fucking don't. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Valid. <laughs> I love Valid. you. Valid. Um, listen, I have not enjoyed a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles anything in so long. And you don't understand, like, in my parents' garage... Um, there are like 300 boxes of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys. Um, fun, quick story, very quick. Um, the Ninja Turtles were popular in the 80s. I was born in the 90s. My parents were poor, so they realized that the thing they could do is get me interested in something that was already over. And so they would be able to get them from the clearance section. And so they got me very interested in Ninja Turtles. So I had every Ninja Turtle toy from the clearance section. Um, it was very cool. Um, but it also meant that I suddenly have these like you know <laughs> gen x like er, love of something that like is not my generation um so i've always been off with all of it um and i've never enjoyed anything else we they really did past the original archie cartoons um but i also know that like it can be dark and gritty and crazy and so i'm excited because i think that they might actually do it this time um because they have enough kids properties that i think they might try an adult one i've heard it's like the only spider thing... mercy yeah mm. yeah the only thing I've ever seen from that franchise is the second live action film. And I did not like <laughs> the secret of those. You know, that's I think it's out of the shadows. Fight. I don't really know. No, 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 no. He's not talking about the originals. Oh, he's talking no, about, I'm talking oh, about the new one. The, oh, oh, God. the baby. Oh, my gosh. That's what we should do. We should make you watch through because you would be like, what are these? They are so weird, Maybe. especially oh, the, the 90s one. ones. Oh, yeah. yeah. No. They go back to Japan. Yeah, in the like 1800s for no reason, Carson. Love that. Carson, <laughs> Carson you, <laughs> you may actually inside. love it. What's also really yeah. funny? What's also hilarious is that the animatronics get worse as the series go on. Like they because they use the same ones, right? They start like pretty convincing and pretty good, especially for the time. Then by the end, they're like, "Hello, it's me." <laughs> I'm gonna love they these it. films. Yeah, no, I I'm gonna give will. it like four stars. In the a first, part. the first um, one is genuinely good. I would the, say. see the second one's my favorite. But, that one's good um, too. How many are there? There's three. Three. Oh, that's an easy night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm currently trying nope. to watch every Barbie film that had a Barbie, but you know, valid. Michael, what are you picking for your most anticipated? I've got three. Um, Spider okay, well, it's a tweet, so we really need one. So give us okay. one and then give us your honorable mentions. <laughs> for sure. Um, okay, so Spider-Verse 2 is going to be my big one because I just think that... Michael's winning this. I just think that <laughs> Spider-Verse really showed the entire superhero genre up, if we're being honest. Like, I saw that first movie, and it honestly... I was being like, this must have been... This must have felt like what the Matrix felt like in 1999. Like, I really felt like technology and spectacle was pushed forward with that movie. And I just know they're going to raise the bar even higher. And my honorable mentions are Magic Mike's Last Dance, because Magic Mike Double XL is one of my favorite movies. And Oppenheimer, which I thought was going to be Christopher Nolan's Mank. But from the looks of that trailer, it looks like Christopher Nolan's There Will Be Blood. And I'm really irritated that by the fact that the trailer they showed on Avatar IMAX showings is a million times better than the trailer they released online, which was a little bit aggravating. But Oppenheimer shot to the top of my top 10 or anticipated list after that trailer. 
Love that for you. I think the easy answer for me is, I'm not going with this, but like my true honest answer is Barbie. But I feel like that's boring because everyone says that. So I'm going to go Wonka. Like the musical prequel to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory from the director who made the Paddington films starring Timothy Chalamet. Like this is one very me. I'm going to go. I'm going to love it. I imagine everyone else will probably hate it, but like I'm going to be singing the songs. I'm going to be giving it definitely probably the winning costume design. At least he has a hat made out of chocolate, according to the set photos, like very here for this. So no, I am excited for Barbie, but like I'm going to go Wonka. Because uh, I want to be more uh, original. Paul King doing doll is so good. That's good. I, I will. It's good. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I was going to say the one thing that uh, is surprising I would add is my like additional one is I'm excited about Guardians 3. Because here's the thing. God. Personally, no, here, there's a very specific reason. I think it is the end of the MCU for me, like emotionally connected at all. Like I was looking at all of the new people and I was like, yeah, sure. These this, these movies now exist. But like Guardians is the last one of like the original group in any way that matters. <laughs> so it's like, OK, I'll watch that. Uh, and, you know, also, I love Lila. I think uh, Rocket's little girlfriend is the cutest part of the entire Guardians uh, mythos. And yeah, I'll enjoy myself. And then I will be like, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. I fully, I fully agree with you. Actually, I've had I've had that thought before because like, and, and it's also James Gunn post two weeks notice. He's not going to give a shit. He's going to go a wall in that fucking movie. And I can't. Yeah, yeah, I fully expect it yeah. to be crazy. Yeah. I also need. I guess I'll throw out Saw Ten. I'm very excited. Saw X. Let's be clear. <laughs> no, no, we're not making it. Yeah, no, and they're not making another one. They are in. Tobin yeah, it comes Bell. out. Yeah, Tobin Bell and. Um, the girl who plays Amanda are back too. I think it takes place between Saw Two and Saw Three, so it could be like the actual series well, they, and not Jigsaw's nephew's nephew's cousin's assistant. <laughs> like, well, they all take place during a one week. Um, I also <laughs> will say a haunting in Venice. Very excited for after Death on the Nile. Um, and oh, I, is that is that next year? I thought that was twenty twenty four. No, it's oh. coming out October twenty twenty three. Oh hell yeah! Which I'm very excited for. I also must say the new Hunger Games. I just rewatched Catching Fire. Uh, that was my tween, like middle school fandom was the Hunger Games. So I really am here for it, even though I expect it to be terrible. Um, oh, Catching Fire is the second one. That one's okay. You know what? Yeah, I'm I, actually... I think they get worse as they go. I think the first one's better, but I've got one yeah. other one that I do want to bring up really quick, and that's and there's no like footage or anything yet from it, but it's Yorgos Lanthimos's next movie, Poor Things. That's oh. like a Emma uh, Frankenstein style story. And it, mm. but it has Emma Stone in the lead, and it has Willem Dafoe, who Paul hates, of course, uh, and Mark Ruffalo, and Christopher Abbott, and Margot Qualley, and Gerard Carmichael, and all these amazing um, people. And it just sounds like a great kind of like gothic comedy thriller. And I, I after um, the favorite, Yorgos is at the top. And also, personal pick for me, uh, Bradley Cooper's Maestro. Dying yes. to see that, even though I'm sure it'll be boring as shit to everyone else. I love Bradley Cooper. <laughs> I already got my Maestro movie, so I don't care. Which one? Tar, 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 tar. (laughs) I don't know why I talked shit about tar. I fucking love tar. (laughs) Does Joker 2 come out this year or is that next year? No, it's 24. Okay, well, I have to. That's going to be like a real. Yeah, that's going to be a lot. Because it has everything I hate, but then it has Gaga. And like, if I'm going to be the pals of Gucci, I have to be there for Joker 2, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a real struggle. (laughs) No, I agree. Um, 
cool well let's end this with any rapid reviews i don't think many there should be many because i don't have any uh the pale bluest eye was okay i think it's bad as a mystery watch it on netflix and then i think that's it i have nothing else michael do you have anything yeah um i just watched white noise i know you said that you hated it i thought i thought that it was very ambitious i really like bombback and i really like what he was trying to do i think the first half was great and then everything after a certain point when let's just say the plot that we were watching comes to a stop and it decides to be a movie about the pharmaceutical industry out of nowhere uh is where i i think which is where which is where i think it sort of takes a turn but i did think it was quirky and ambitious and very um good looking as well definitely one of his most well shot movies paul i genuinely think it'd be like one star like i feel yeah yeah no absolutely absolutely (laughs) maybe i'll watch it then i love i love shitting on things that everyone else enjoys and i do have another (laughs) i and i do have one hot take which is that i've now tried and failed to watch decision to leave twice i cannot get into that movie i think it's so trite it's just like like a it's like now i'm curious wait what is it on it's on i think you will it's i think you might love decision to leave paul Like I do genuinely okay, think we'll see. like it. Um but probably not. I want to see I it. I have no idea what you'll like, apparently. So that's gonna be it for this episode of Clappercast. Where can we find everyone on social media? Paul? At Price Like Tag on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Michael? At the, at the King of Burbank on TikTok, Twitter, uh, Letterboxd, etc. Wherever you can type in King of Burbank, it's probably there. And you can find me on Twitter Pornhub. at the underscore movie <laughs> right. <reviews>. OnlyFans. <laughs> it does really sound like an OnlyFans handle, doesn't it? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd. And then you can find the podcast everywhere you find podcasts, plus YouTube if you want to see our beautiful uh, faces. We'll see you next week because we're back with a real review for Megan. She is coming on january 6th and i could not be more excited as a gay man i'm gonna be there cheering screaming oh god um and I where was so megan we'll on january 6th <laughs> i hope she was in the capital i would support it i don't that's, care that's the most subtle yeah. joke but it's such a funny release date it's so cool. oh it's great it's perfect so goodbye good.